Welcome to this episode of the We Travel There podcast. Today we have a special interview with travel writer Mira Timken about the Alabama Civil Rights Trail. Mira has been writing about the U.S. Civil Rights Trail since its inception in 2018, and she recently had the opportunity to visit the Alabama historical sites along the trail and wanted to share her experiences with my listeners. In this episode, Mira and I talk about walking the Edmund Pettus Bridge, hearing stories from experience givers, and visiting the 16th Avenue Baptist Church. Hear about these three amazing experiences plus so much more. If you know someone that wants to visit Alabama and learn more about its civil rights trail, I'd love it if you shared this episode with them. The show notes will be available at wetravelthere.com forward slash civil rights. Now let's get started. The We Travel There podcast helps you travel like a local by interviewing guests from around the world to uncover the hidden gems of their city by finding out the best things to do, eat, drink, and see from a local's point of view. Using airline miles and hotel points makes travel affordable, but keeping track of all those loyalty programs can be a challenge. That's why I use AwardWall to track my miles and points balances, reservations, and special goodies like free hotel night certificates and airline companion passes. Having everything in one easy-to-use dashboard helps ensure that I don't lose any rewards and makes logging into my accounts super easy. Go to wetravelthere.com forward slash AwardWallet to start your free account. Hey, Mira, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. So today we're talking about the Alabama Civil Rights Trail, and you've written so much about this topic, and I know it's an incredibly important part of our history. And you know, me being from California, being relatively younger, I don't know a lot about this. And when you reached out to me to talk about the topic, I said, absolutely, I want you to come on and talk about it, because I think something that's a fantastic thing for people to do is go on one of these trails and kind of go there and experience it for yourself. You know, instead of like obviously beaches of Hawaii and all these other like vacation things are nice, but you know, I have young kids. I want to be able to take them to some educational destinations and help them understand, you know, our our nation's history a little bit better. I think what people will find when they do this is that it's one thing to read about it and it's something else totally to experience it for yourself. I know because I had been writing about the civil rights trail for several years. And when I actually got to go to some of these spots, it was just overwhelming. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I can imagine how like just emotionally powerful some of them are. I I did something in in Paris. I went to the the beaches of Normandy, like their military cemetery, and just walking in there, it, the emotions took over me. You know, and I I'm sure it's the same thing for a lot of people as they go through the civil rights trail and, and go to some of these places that, in some cases, all horrific things happened. And I think it's it's great to be able to go there and witness it for yourself and just have that that true experience. That's really one of the reasons that they created the Alabama Civil Rights Trail. Alabama was probably the most pivotal state of all of the states on the trail because so many different things and events happened there. So they decided actually in, um, I believe it was 2004, that they created their own Alabama Civil Rights Trail. They have about 40 stops on the trail right now and they continue to add more. In contrast to that, the U.S. Civil Rights Trail didn't start till 2018, but they did it with the idea that they wanted to link everything together. So ideally, if somebody wanted to do the entire trail, they could. They could go through all the states and do that. But Alabama's really, unfortunately, because so many of the events happened there. Yeah, no, I, I, that, I can imagine. I mean, I when you are kind of the epicenter of, of some of the things that happen, um, sometimes people kind of brush it under the, under the rug and sometimes embrace is probably the wrong word, but like you, you don't hide 
your history. And like you say, okay, we want to make sure that we don't repeat this history. So we need to learn about it and make sure others learn about it as well. Yes, absolutely. I would agree. So, okay. So like you said, there's about 40 different stops or markers there now. If somebody's going to go on this trail, like what are some of the cities that you would, that you'd actually hit throughout Alabama? The major cities that are on the trail are Anniston, Birmingham, Monroeville, Montgomery, Scottsboro, Selma, Tuscaloosa, and Tuskegee. And we started in Birmingham, which is more in the middle of the state, and worked our way down. So for people that, that aren't familiar with these cities, because I've know I've heard some of these cities, but even geographically within the state, within the state, I'm not sure where they are. Uh, and so if they follow the trail, so it would be kind of starting in the middle and going south as you go through all these different cities? Yes. Yes. That's what that's what we did. Okay. And so, yeah, so you can either start from the south and move your way up, or you can start in the middle of the state, move your way down. Uh, and then, like, if you're if you're going to do some of these trails and and visit some of these cities, uh, you know, I, I know a lot of people that are listening, you know, they have, like, traditional jobs, and it's a little bit harder for them to get away from work and everything like that. How much time should they plan to, to spend going through this trail for Alabama? Well, ideally, I was there for almost a week, and I would say of the 40 sites, maybe we really went to like between 12 and 15 of them. So obviously, the more time you have, the more sites you can see, or you know, you can skip some of them and go on to others that you want to see or identify with. So you know, if you have a week, that would be great. And if you don't, then you can just kind of plan accordingly. Alabama has created a three-day civil rights tour, so that would be a good trail to follow. Okay, perfect. Yeah, we'll talk about that a little bit later on. Now, I know you, you recently spent some time on the on the Alabama Civil Rights Trail. What were some of the most significant stops that, that you experienced? Without question for me was crossing the Edmund Pettus Bridge in Selma. The bridge was named for a Confederate general, and how ironic that um, this was a pivotal scene in the civil rights movement. The bridge was actually the site of um, a movement where the younger generation, they called them foot soldiers, wanted to cross the bridge on their way to the Capitol in Montgomery to protest the lack of voting rights. And they started on a Sunday and they tried to cross and they were met with federal officers and policemen and dogs and and they were there to meet them and beat them back and they weren't able to cross. And they had to try two more times, the third time with actually federal protection so that they were able to cross the bridge and make their way, it was 54 miles from where they were in Selma to Montgomery, and they did make it. And it really was a very significant event because their voices were finally heard. And in uh, August of that year, the National Voting Rights Act passed, making history, and they had the right to vote. So walking in the footsteps of this march was probably one of the most moving experiences of my life. I just, you know, I could feel the stress and the tension and everything else, just even walking on a beautiful day across this bridge thinking I could do this as a free person and they weren't allowed to pass as they should have been. And the irony was not lost on me because that was the day that Ketanji Brown Jackson was confirmed as the first African-American woman on the Supreme Court. So it was a triumph for all. Oh, sure, sure. Now, I, I, 
I remember just recently because you know I wasn't really that involved in politics and you know I didn't really listen to a lot of it for many many years. But more recently, I've gotten a little bit more involved, and I and I know that what was it that Senator John Lewis he recently passed away, and I he was one of the people that was on that bridge during that during that time and and fighting through everything. Correct? Yes, absolutely. And and I want to talk about that a little bit later because he was one of the major influences in the civil rights movement, and after this event, then he became more interested in involvement in politics and he was a U.S. congressman for more than 30 years. I mean, it's one of those things, that, one of those profound items in your life where it probably steered him towards the politics side of things. And whether you, whether you are a Republican or a Democrat or, or whatever, I mean, I think you can understand that there are pivotal times in your life where it causes you to go into action to fight for the things that you believe in. Yes, I would agree. And so what are some of the other like major influencers of the civil rights movement beyond him? The most famous was Reverend Martin Luther King Jr., and he was instrumental in this movement because he had a nonviolent approach. He had a lot of detractors who didn't agree with him, but that was the policy and the strategy that he took throughout the movement. And his impact is still relevant today. I mean, there's a lot of things that are named after him, but his picture is everywhere, and he just remains a very powerful figure in the civil rights movement. Um, Whitney Young was a social worker who got involved. He was one of the organizers of the March on Washington. He was one of the executive director of the NAACP and believed that civil rights would be achieved by changing laws. And he often testified before Congress. And Pastor Fred Shuttlesworth founded the Southern Christian Leadership Conference, and he worked to combat racism in all forms. So there were mostly men that, you know, stood up and gathered and communicated and served the community to mobilize them so that they could protest in a single voice. No, absolutely. And I know, like, obviously, voting rights has been you know, a big thing in the, in the news recently as well. And I know that, you know, there are people of all races that were kind of involved in the in this movement as well, right? It wasn't just the African-Americans that were fighting for their own rights. It was it was other people as well that were, that were supporting them. And, and even though they had their own freedoms and their own rights, they were supporting these people that, that didn't. Absolutely. They they call them, they refer to them as like-minded white people because without their support, I don't think it would have happened because they needed that as well. But I think what's interesting is that that after the civil rights movement pushed forward and, and things were achieved, it became a pretty big influence across the world as well. I mean, people were watching the United States to see what was happening and what people were doing. So their theme of the national U.S. Tribal Rights Trail is what happened here changed the world. And it really did. No, absolutely. America is like the beacon of freedom for the entire world, you know, and we are the, the trendsetters. And whatever's going on here in the United States, a lot of nations around the world follow us. And whether we're going in one direction or the other, depends upon who's in charge. That's kind of what happens in other countries around the world. And they do, they watch and they say what, you know, see what they're doing. And then some of those things translates to, you know, more freedom for the, their people that are marginalized as well. Absolutely. I mean, I know that just for me, I, I traveled to all these other countries around the world and especially interviewing people for the podcast and time and after time, after time, when you talk to them or you meet them in person, it's they love America. They love, you know, the freedoms that we have. They love all the things that are going on here. And sometimes they, you know, they understand the you know, the darker history that we have, but they want to be us. They're, they're proud of their own countries, but they love the, what we have here in the United States. And, and I love that we are that trendsetter. We are the ones that as we evolve past the things that happen here, they're, they're, they're hanging onto our coattails and they are, they're following our path. 
And, and so I love that, that we can, we can be that trendsetter. So who were like some of the people that you met? Obviously, most of the people that you know, we've talked about, they've either passed away or they are quite aged at this point. So they're probably not around for you to meet. But there were probably other people that you met along the, your path that really kind of proved instrumental in your education on the Civil Rights Trail. That was really the best part of this experience. They were called foot soldiers, and many of them were children when all this happened in the 60s. So fortunately, a lot of them are still with us, and they, they, tell, they want to tell their stories to the next generation. They're called experience givers. The one who really impressed me was a woman by the name of Joanne Bland in Selma, and she talked about how racial discrimination affected her while she was growing up. And the story she told was that she saw all the white girls enjoying ice cream in a drugstore. They all had soda fountains back then. And she saw them twirling on the chairs and licking their ice cream. And, and she couldn't understand why she couldn't do the same thing. And her mother would tell her, it's only for whites. Blacks aren't allowed to go into the drugstore. So she was very envious of them. What happened was that the drugstore burned down, and because there was so much controversy when he built it, he built the drugstore again. He didn't put a soda fountain in there. I mean, that was just one way that this affected this woman and how she became, you know, involved in the civil rights movement to fight for the rights that she felt was for, you know, was hers. So it was her birthright. Well, for sure. I mean, I look at every child deserves ice cream. <laughs> you just imagine her looking in the window at these girls like, it's hot, it's 90, I want an ice cream. And that looks like so much fun. And why can't I go do this? Oh, yeah. Especially the, the heat here in the South, man. The, coming from California, being here in Nashville now, the summers are no joke. <laughs> and, you know, you need a little ice cream to cool off and enjoy yourself. So what the Alabama Civil Rights Trail has done is that they have created um, these experience givers, and Joanne Bland is one of them, where you can actually have her come and talk to your group or your school or have her be involved with them making a presentation and go on a private tour for her called Journeys of the Soul. Oh, that's fantastic. So, okay, so like obviously you you probably were more of on a press trip because you're obviously doing a lot of research and everything like that. But for like a, a normal person like you know, me or any of the listeners, and we wanted to go to experience this and we wanted to meet people like her, how do we do that? Are, are they just there at set times? Do we have to make a reservation or do we buy a ticket for a tour? Like how does that work? They basically have these experience givers available and you just kind of have to coordinate with, you know, your schedule and what they're going to be doing and where they are. And that's done through the Alabama Department of Tourism. So you can just go to that website and do, and find out about that. Another person who really had an impact on me was Governor George Wallace's daughter, Peggy. Her name is Peggy Wallace Kennedy. And she talked about her time being in the governor's mansion while all this was going on. And when I first heard she was going to speak to us, my first impression was, I don't want to hear from her. But she's a changed person. She's not the same person she was. And she's written a book called The Broken Road. She took a very different path after growing up Wallace. She was, you know, why didn't her father do more to help them and not, not hinder them in their efforts? So the book was really good. And I heard her speak about it. And it was just, wow, it was a, just a breath of fresh air to hear her. Well, that's fantastic. And was it also through the Department of Tourism? Yes, yes. And his Experience Givers program? Yes, yes. She's somebody. I think that she was still in Montgomery. So, uh, again, it depends on where, you know, where you're going to be. And the other one I heard who was amazing was Fred Gray, 
who was uh, an attorney who had defended Martin Luther King, Rosa Parks, uh, the victims of the Tuskegee syphilis studies, and others. And he is an American treasure. And it was just wonderful. He's 91 years old. I mean, he, he speaks so beautifully. And he wanted to do everything, you know, as a young person. He said, I'm going to do something to change this. And he really did. So he grew up to become an attorney and defended those who needed his help. My dad was an attorney, and so it's it's so awesome to see sometimes people, they see that, what's happening, and they get that education, and they take that position and help people that really need that help. Yes, and he definitely was a defender of uh, all the African-American people that needed his assistance. Sure. So, okay, so you visited a lot of different cities during your during your week on that on the Alabama Civil Rights Trail. What are some of like the, the, meaningful, the most meaningful spots that you visited along that path? The 16th Avenue Baptist Church in Birmingham, where the four little girls died, the Ku Klux Klan put 19 sticks of dynamite in the church, and um, these four little girls blew up, got blown to smithereens. This was in 1963, and, you know, they've rebuilt the church since then, and, and you see the spot where they were coming down the stairs, and I think the most meaningful thing for me was they have a clock there that stopped when the bomb blew off, and it's still at 10.22 a.m. when it happened. So you just stand there and look at it, and it becomes very, very real. It's also important to note that next year will be the 70th anniversary of the bombing, and Birmingham is planning to mark the occasion with not quite sure what, but they're going to make the world know that 70 years ago this is what happened. Sure. Yeah, no, I, uh, we actually interviewed somebody probably a year ago about Birmingham, and, and she said that there were so many bombs that happened during that period of time that they called it actually like the nickname was Bombingham. Yes, they called it Bombingham and Dynamite Hill. Yeah, that was just a common occurrence because they tried to stop whatever efforts these people were doing. They tried to stop them at every turn. A lot of times in, in today's society, we, we look at other countries and we see you know, bombings that happen on a regular basis. And we can't even fathom that happening here, but it did. Yeah, it did. I mean, it was before my time, before I was born, you know, and for people my age and younger, it's hard for us to understand things happened here in the United States. And so that's why it's important to go on things like the Alabama Civil Rights Trail. So that way it's not just something that we we read in school. You know, sometimes sometimes you're not really paying attention in school because you're just trying to get whatever the test and just pass the class. But, you know, as you get older, you want to understand these events a little bit better. And, And like you said, going there in person and seeing them for yourself really solidifies that that experience in your mind and it helps you really understand what what actually kind of happened. Yes, absolutely. So, if we're planning our trip and we want to go down there and, and again, maybe we don't have a full week, maybe it's like a long weekend or a holiday weekend or something like that. What are some of the other like major sites that that you would recommend us visiting so that way we can kind of focus our efforts on on where to go? One of the cool things I really, really enjoyed was when we went to Monroeville, which is where author Harper Lee was born. She wrote To Kill a Mockingbird. And every spring they put on a performance of To Kill a Mockingbird. And it's really different. You start out on the lawn of the courthouse and you sit, you know, you're outside and you're watching all the action on the stage right there. It's not even a stage. It's just like in the grass. And then you go to intermission and then you go upstairs to the courtroom and that's where the trial takes place. And it's just, I've never been to a theatrical performance like that ever. So it's really cool. And this courthouse during the year is the most popular courthouse in the country because that's the the design of the courthouse is what they used in the movie and the play of To Kill a Mockingbird. 
And for me, because I was with a group of writers, I got to sit in the, um, one of the jury boxes and I felt like I was a part of the play. What a cool experience that is. Yeah, that <laughs> was great. That was just amazing. So that was really very cool. And the other site that I think is really important for people to see is the um, Tuskegee Airmen National Historic Site. Before 1940, African-Americans were not allowed to serve in the Army Corps. So somehow they were able to create this group of African-Americans who were going to be trained to be pilots at Motown Field. And they learned how to navigate the combat planes and they flew, I don't know, 15,000 missions in World War II. And what happened after that is that it really paved the way for them to finally be a part of the U.S. military in the air. And before they couldn't do that. So once these Tuskegee Airmen took to the skies, they saw what they could do and they were able to make a significant contribution to the war effort. Yeah, that's fantastic. I mean, I, I, I think especially World War II and, and the fight against Nazis and the fight against you know, Hitler and, and everybody else, I think knowing that, that the African-Americans and some of the others really participated and really were like helping uh, you know, one of the keys for our victory is that much more of a of a victory for for the United States and and again being like the trendsetter and the leader that look this is free we're all about freedom we're we're all about including everybody and nazism and and all these other things have no place in the world and we obviously beat them you know we won right right well they wanted to be they wanted to be in the air force and they're like they weren't going to take them they said okay we're going to train and do this and and they did and they were successful at what they did so it was really a feather in their cap for that that's fantastic. So I can only imagine what the answer to this question is going to be. And I'm pretty sure I know the answer for this. But after going through the, the Civil Rights Trail and just kind of experiencing all these things firsthand, like, what did you come away with? Like, what type of feelings and thoughts did you have afterwards? First of all, it was very emotional. I mean, every day, every part of the day, what we did was just, you just were embraced by the emotions of what happened there and the results would be. But what I came away with is that one person can really make a difference. And you saw that in the story of Rosa Parks, who stood up for herself, that she was not going to give her seat up to a white man. And because of her, they had a one-year boycott on the bus system uh, in Montgomery, and it eventually turned things around, and they eliminated all the racial discrimination in the U.S. transportation systems. Medgar Evers was another person who stood up and tried to overturn segregation at the, in the college level. A.J. Gaston was somebody in Birmingham that um, he helped remove barriers to racism uh, in his own hometown. But what I came to realize also, it was not just people of color who stood up to protest, but it was like-minded white people who shared their dreams of equality and wanted to participate in this and to end discrimination. And I have to say that as much progress as we've made in civil rights, racial discrimination, profiling, and bigotry still exists, and we do have a long way to go. But at least I got to see where it started and where things started to change. Yeah, for sure. And I think it I think uh, just like I believe, whether it's international travel, I look at it as like my job as a parent is like raise the best you know, humans possible, right? And so one of the reasons why we travel so much and explore different cultures and different foods and different countries and even different parts of the United States is that the more we understand that although we have differences, we have so much in common and so much alike and we can learn so much from each other. I think that's the more you can do of that, the better, you know, and Obviously, there is you know some sort of push as far as trying to hide some of this history and everything, but I think 
the more we learn about it, the more we can understand, okay, here are some of the mistakes we've made in our past. Here are the ways that we can move forward and create a better society for our generation and for the next generation as well. I remember my father used to tell me that when he was in the service in World War II, he was born and raised in Chicago, so he was a Yankee, and he was training in the in the South, and he would see the water fountains for whites and blacks and coloreds, and he would just like, he couldn't believe it. You know, we didn't have that kind of stuff up in Chicago. He just looked at that, and he just, he just he couldn't believe it. You know, and I think for somebody like myself, also growing up in the North, it was a totally different experience. We didn't have Jim Crow laws down here. I mean, blacks still had to fight for everything that they wanted and were certainly entitled to, but it wasn't the kind of discrimination that they had in the South. Oh, sure, sure. And I'm, I'm glad to see that we're making strides. You know, like you said, sometimes we have a little bit of ways to go, but as long as we keep making strides and going forward, you know, and learning and, and embracing some of our history and saying, okay, yeah, we, we messed up. How can we improve it going forward? I think the more we can do that, the better. So if somebody wants to learn more and experience the Civil Rights Trail for themselves, I know we talked a little bit about the three-day Civil Rights Trail. How do we do that and where do we go? Like, How do we get some of the experience that you've, that you've done and it's really kind of changed your life? There's a couple of different ways. The Alabama Tourism Department has created their own civil rights trail to follow. That's like the three days that I told you about. They also have an app you can download at Alabama Travel that'll help you while you're on the road. And, you know, where should you go? What should you see? So those are two ways. And also the U.S. Civil Rights Trail at just civilrightstrail.com. You know, you can find out more. Lee Santel has written a beautiful book called The Official U.S. Civil Rights Trail, What Happened Here Changed the World. It's just a beautiful, colorful book. And you can find that on Amazon. So that's got Alabama in it as well. And, you know, you can kind of follow through the whole trail yourself through all the states. Well, fantastic. Yeah, well, we'll definitely include links to all that in the show notes, make it a little bit easier for the listeners to find it all. Now, Mira, before we go, like, can you tell the audience a little bit more about who you are, what you do? Oh, sure. I've been a travel writer for about 20-some years now, and it's enabled me to go and see the country and the world and write about it. I'm a blogger for Orbits and Travelocity, Travel Awaits. Locally, I write for Splash Magazines and Urban Matter, which is a millennial site, and other digital platforms as well. So I'm always looking for you know new outlets to share my adventures with readers. So it's a you know never-ending goal, I suppose. <laughs> for sure. So if somebody has questions about the Alabama Civil Rights Trail, about your writing, or anything else, like uh, how should they reach you on social media? I'm at Twitter at the at sign and then just Mira Temkin, M-I-R-A-T-E-M-K-I-N. My website is miratemkintravel.com, which is M-I-R-A-T-E-M-K-I-N-T-R-A-V-E-L.com. And they'll see all the different travel stories that I've written. Okay, perfect. Yeah, again, we'll, we'll include links to all that in the show notes. And, you know, Mira, I, I really appreciate you coming on the show. And I learned so much. And, you know, being here in Nashville, it's not that far of a drive for me to go down there. And I think it's definitely worthy of a, of a nice little road trip with my family to experience some of this ourselves. And, you know, we look forward to seeing you when we travel there. Okay. Well, thank you for giving me an opportunity to talk about the Alabama Civil Rights Trail. It's really very important. What an impactful conversation with Mira. It's so important to learn about our nation's history, both the good and the bad, so that we can continue to improve as a society. You can find all the links we talked about today at wetravelthere.com forward slash civil rights. We want to say thank you to AwardWall for being today's affiliate partner. It's my favorite way to track airline miles, hotel points, and other loyalty programs. 
Go to wetravelthere.com forward slash award wallet to start your free account today. Join us next time as we visit Napa, California to speak with my new friend Don Bennell of swinkguide.com. In this episode, Don and I talk about wine tasting at incredible wineries, relaxing in the hot springs, and taking cooking classes at the Culinary Institute of America. We hope you join us when we travel there. If you've enjoyed this podcast episode, please share it with your friends and tell them what you like most. Make sure you follow us on your favorite podcast app. That way you won't miss any of our upcoming destinations.